everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I am back here with Danny Hatch and the return of Mark LaRocco after an episode off. How'd you enjoy your time off, Mark? You do anything fun? Uh, <laughs> well, I did end up seeing Jurassic World. Oh, yeah. Other Good. well, well, we hope that you hated it as much as we did. I don't. That's, that's not very <laughs> Otherwise, sad. you can't come back. That's, I don't. I don't think I did. Vacation. I don't think I did hate it as much as you guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we are definitely. How about well? What did you think? Let's just let's just go to that straight. What did you? What oh. do you think, Mark? Well, I I thought it had a lot of uh, potential that it just didn't quite fulfill. Um, I guess like. You know, my 32nd review is it, it it didn't live up to what it could have been, because to me, there's so many interesting kind of ethical questions about if we go through de-extinction, like bringing mm-hmm. back dinosaurs, then what is our responsibility toward them? And at the beginning of the movie, it, it does start to it, it kind of hints at that. Right. And then it just kind of turns into a normal action. Let's get away from the dinosaurs type of movie. Yeah. you know, for most of the movie. Um, also, I because I had known from the previews and from the end of Fallen Kingdom that dinosaurs were just now loose all over the world. So I was expecting to see stories of maybe how different people were dealing with them or living with them or battling them in different areas of the world. But again, the majority of the movie just sort of focuses on the main characters plus the half dozen new yeah supporting characters and how they deal with them so you know the franchise yeah. has had a nasty habit of introducing that threat and kind of dangling it in front of us movie after right. movie and mm-hmm. never really following through yeah because the things the things that you're saying are the, like the same exact things that danny and i were complaining about right it was a missed opportunity yeah. it wasn't yeah. just a bad movie it was setting you up to think this could be something really interesting and cool and then just kind of defaulting back to the, well, let's kind of get everybody in the same location and it's kind of confined. Mm-hmm. And- well, it's kind of funny. I was actually kind of cynical about it because I'm like, man, this is going to be a train wreck. I cannot wait to see the chaos that comes from this premise. And but they didn't even supposed follow through to be on the young, optimistic one. <laughs> no, dude. Come on, I'm, Danny. I'm we're, we're, we're counting like, on you. No, we're you're- all cynical. <laughs> the world's over. You're, you're pretty young for an old cynic. Um, <laughs> so... I see for me, I, I thought the action pieces, I, I did think they were great. They did a good job with them. I mean, mostly it, it maybe wasn't as tense or scary as it could have been, but you know, the effects were, were awesome. And I got to see it in IMAX theater. So I'm sure that helped going and seeing it at the IMAX in, in Centerville, but I don't, I mean, I think that would be better than uh, like watching it on your phone. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. It was beyond that. It, and I it think was cool. I did say in my review that, like, if you're gonna see this movie, see sure. it in theater to enjoy right. Right. the oh, lighting, yeah. the sound. Like, you know, exactly. there, there were a lot of good technical aspects to it. Right, and I'm I'm glad I went too because I I took it was kind of a Father's Day present. I took my dad to it on Saturday oh. night, and we went to he and I went to the original in 1993. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like this full circle moment to be able to see it again. But and I think he liked it better than I did. Um, and, and I, again, I, I'm not, I don't have really, really major complaints about it. Maybe like you guys did. I did. The other problem I have with is I felt like it was underwritten. There, there are certain scenes where the characters are just saying things that any just average or below average screenwriter would have them say in the moment without an interesting, like snappy one-liner or that, or, or something interesting that would further develop the character. And yeah, I was telling Josh, you know, there are a few scenes where, it almost ends with the character just staring at the camera. And there's a few seconds of awkward pauses, like a pause where you're just waiting for something to be said. And then it goes to the next, the next thing. It just rushes to the next chase scene. Um, and and I, it was just weird. There were a few moments like that where I'm like, well, they really could have punched that up with a, with kind of a funny line, even to break the tension or, um, you know, there were a few from Dr. Malcolm. And, you know, he has a funny line, like, why are you skulking around? You know, he has a few little things that he says that are like Dr. Malcolm type phrases, oh, yeah. but everybody yeah. else is, there's not. Well, um, I'm sure he was improvising on the set. We can't, we can't get the screenwriters. I, I actually wonder about Jeff Goldblum. I do. I wonder if Jeff Goldblum came up with some of that. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's just he, such he a looks weird up the script. I'm not saying that garbage. I know he's my a, character's <laughs> worth. I've heard him interviewed in real life and he's, he's a little different. He's a little bit of an odd. Oh yeah. Guy. No, he's. And oh, then his character's that way. Yeah. 
you know, if, so uh, if you haven't seen it yet, he he does a series. I guess this is a couple of years old now, and maybe I'm just kind of late to the party as usual. But uh, I started watching a documentary series on Disney Plus, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yeah. These little half hour episodes. So yeah, the first one is you know sneakers, and then he'll do like like swimming pools and and makeup, and just he'll just kind of take one mm-hmm. subject and just Jeff Goldblum it to death. He's and so it's, precious. Yeah. <laughs> so so maybe maybe to kind of twist the conversation into a positive direction. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend that. Um, <laughs> but, just uh, just follow Jeff Goldblum. Well, real, yeah, real quick, yeah. let me just say one more thing because you mentioned yes. the TV series of, from Jeff Goldblum. When when you hear the premise of Jurassic World, which is finally after six movies, counting the first trilogy, the dinosaurs have just basically escaped and are all over the world. It would almost be more interesting than what we were given in. Jurassic World Dominion to have like a TV series of different maybe vignettes of people mm. dealing with dinosaurs around the world. You know, well, like that's it could why be sort the of opening a, and the ending were so good. Yeah. Right, exactly. I love the opening and the ending. Like yeah. even you just know, the beautiful shots of dinosaurs mingling with like animals, you know, yeah. like the triceratops with the elephants, you know, with the silhouette and maybe they're on the African side. You know what I would something. love? What I would love is if they had a way, and I don't know if you could just cgi the crap out of this but if you could take existing tv shows and just integrate dinosaurs into old episodes <laughs> so like you got an old episode of three's company and uh-huh. you know and john ritter and, and, and they're all just inter- and then just like some raptor just kind of comes bounding through the kitchen while they're having a conversation and smashes through the door or you know it's like the brady the brady, the brady bunch are out playing in the backyard and, and the Tyrannosaurus Rex eats Jan, you know, oh just, yeah, no, that like, that's be, the best I would part. watch that show. I, I think that's the shows. best part of like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like when they do like the little TV things and like uh, they end up grabbing the chocolate bar and it's like the monolith from um, Space Odyssey and oh, it's God. like this chocolate bar. I, I don't know. It's really fun seeing all <laughs> those kind of references, right? Like, yeah. yeah. See, I, I, fun. I had a bunch of ideas just come to my mind when I was thinking of, because you could have like one where maybe almost an E.T. like movie where there's a small dinosaur discovered by a young child and 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 how does he, you know, bring it into his, you know, his family's life or and you could even have them just different tonally. You could have different episodes. For example, have you heard of like Sense and Sensibility and Sea Snakes or Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. You could do like Romeo and Juliet and Dinosaurs or, or right. like a love story where, where it's actually a legitimate love story. But then there's dinosaurs incorporated and it could be kind of a funny slash or what if what if say blue the raptor was so traumatized over (laughs) losing its child that it imagined itself in other tv shows from the past and maybe walked us through the 50s the 60s the 70s and then gradually we realize (laughs) that it's all in his head and he's projecting it and he's manipulating yeah Yeah. just Uh just an idea just a thought Hey, Disney Plus. No, 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 yeah. no, no. They've ruined enough things. No, and, and it's funny, Mark, you made a comment where it's like, I'm getting all these ideas. I'm like, that's been the thing that's been frustrating me a lot most recently with like Obi-Wan. Because like, they're like the diehard fans who are like, oh my goodness, this is great. But even those guys are saying like, oh man, I thought they were going to do this. Or I thought like, we're all writing better stories in our heads just generally. And I don't know if it's just like our own personal bias where it's like, we're not seeing what we want to see, but it's just like, so I don't know if it's the viewer's fault or the creator's fault for not those expectations or for us to have those expectations in the first place that will just never be met. But like, I I think part of it is the, <laughs> part of it is they give the fans what they want and and if you look at the scores yeah. they're they're do like the fan scores is better than the critic score and maybe they feel like with such a huge franchise it's just too risky for them to just get too far away from people no and i think i think that's one of the mm-hmm. big problems is no. is the financial risk you know and yeah. that's that's one of the reasons we see people keep going back to the same franchises over and over is that there's a guarantee that, okay, well, if we're working in this known intellectual property, mm-hmm. we're going to at least have work. a certain degree of interest. You know, that first weekend will at least turn yeah. around a certain amount of money. Whereas you put something out there that nobody's ever heard of 
And hey, mm-hmm. maybe it's something big, maybe it's completely forgotten. And, and I think that we're just kind of stuck with that, with that approach because as, as with all the, the millions upon millions of dollars that are going into this stuff, they're, they're, I think the, the suits are uh, unwilling to, to take any more risk than they need to, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. our ideas will just always be better and never <laughs> see fruition. But, uh, well, hey, let's, let's move on from, from we've, we've been uh, pounding on Dominion plenty. We need to give our own audience something new to digest. Would that be a pun? Because dinosaurs eat people, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Anyway, um, so we got some fun stuff coming up. We do have some new content to talk about. We got a brand new local movie we're going to talk about. Uh, we have a new biopic that's coming out this weekend that we're excited to uh, dig into. And then uh, we'll kind of see where things go. But uh, Danny, we got a local movie. So this is, this is kind of a news item because usually we, we talk about the local films in kind of a news context. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also have a local film news item that you can go watch in a theater, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. And this is when I actually got to see. And I feel like every time I look up these news items, it feels like you know, the local projects are actually so far away because, you know, it's so easy to access the mainstream items, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I got to see this one. Uh, this is called Cryo. Um, cryo meaning um, uh, cryo sleep. And so, um, yeah, like Josh was saying, this is uh, locally made. It was filmed in Provo by uh, Utah filmmaker. Um, uh, it's Barrett Bergen, I think. Um, which, by the way, his production name I thought was hilarious. It's Berg Indie, like indie films, but like Berg Indie. I thought it was clever. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, kind of a clever guy, and you can see that in, in the film. Um, but this is a sci-fi where five uh, scientists wake up from uh, cryosleep, and they don't have their memories uh, some snippets, things kind of come piece by piece, but they're exploring this underground facility, trying to figure out, like, what were they doing, what happened, who they are, and it just kind of starts to seem as, um, you know, things are brought to light that some people aren't as they seem. Um, pretty early on, we start seeing, like, the, uh, some uh, pools of blood, so it's like, you know, think someone was murdered here and so do you know just all these little pieces coming together um the mystery of it is super fun and um uh i, I don't want to give too much away because it, it, it's, it really sounds is, like kind of the fun of this is the twists and turns of the oh, plot absolutely right? that ending was so satisfying uh, Ryan came in as I was finishing it up and I just started hitting his arm and like, it's this, I knew it. And just like, <laughs> Oh, it was so good. And I, and I loved seeing it come together. So it was super fun. Um, performances were pretty good. Um, there, there was one character though, that like, I think the writing just did him dirty where like he knew a little too much and that made me so suspicious of him early on. And it just, everything felt a little off balance that way. Whereas everyone else, it was more subtle um, so, you know, and, and then like some dialogue was kind of clunky. So you know, there, there's some kind of like, you know, indie flaws a little bit. I think this might've been his first big feature. So I was going to say, I believe this is the director's first feature yeah. feature film. So, but for a first feature, like it is like the premise is so fun. The, the, the story itself is very fun. That location was incredible. I, I thought they found just such a great spot um visuals are so fun lighting was fun so like there are so many really good elements i just think like you know dialogue but like to be fair i can't write dialogue so it's it's hard to do but you know it was it was great and so i kind of want people to check this out it's being uh released in select theaters this friday as of us recording so that's june 24th and hopefully you'll stick around for a little bit and maybe get a wider release um i think it'll be um on video on demand it was june 28th yeah that sounds Um, that sounds right yeah but check out my written review if you want to see more details on it but it it was good i enjoyed it a lot excellent yeah no it's always it's always nice to have 
you know, a, a promising movie from a, from a brand new director that makes you want to see more of their work. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know, maybe I might be a little biased towards it. Like definitely sci-fi thriller. Um, but I, I really liked 10 Cloverfield Lane and I feel like it kind of has those elements, but I don't oh, want to nice. compare okay. it too much because like it feels very unique, but that kind of vibe. So okay. if you want to okay. like vibe with that sort of thing. Is it kind yeah. of like a found footage type of vibe? Or? No, no. Okay. I really liked 10 Cloverfield Lane. I mean, I, and Cloverfield obviously is more of the, the found footage one, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, 10 Cloverfield Lane was, was great. Very oh, thrilling goodness. and scary. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a, that's a good, com- that's a good comparison to make. If you're being compared to 10 Cloverfield Lane in my book, that's a, that's a positive thing. Yeah. That's a compliment. Yeah. No. And well, I nice. think it's good. Also, Oh, another point that I do think is really important because this was the thing that made me concerned about watching it is that like, I have a hard time with indie films where I feel like there's no restraint. So I'm really nervous about what I'm going to see. So if you want to check out my parents guide, I, I lay out in detail, like a lot of things, but surprisingly little language, um, it's very scary in tone, but kind of like 10 Cloverfield Lane where you're not mm. seeing a lot, but you are really nervous. <laughs> so yeah. just to Well, and to me, mind. that's a lot scarier. I think, I think that, oh, that for shows, sure. <laughs> if, you can, if you can pull that off, that is a more skillful, you know, when, when you don't have any restraint, when you don't have any limitations, that mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, encourages people to do the easy stuff. Yeah. So good to know. Well, thanks for thanks for taking a look at that, Danny, and we'll uh, we'll be interested to see where where that goes in the, the weeks to come. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, we do have another release this weekend that uh, I know I've been. I mean, this this has not been my number one anticipated movie of the year or anything like that, but I have been kind of interested to see it uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, this is the biopic uh, Elvis about Elvis Presley, and uh, as seen in Josh's room, I was going to say like <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to suggest too much of a preconceived you know kind of bias here because i mean i've got my velvet elvis on the wall but i I wouldn't necessarily say that i'm like the world's biggest elvis fan or anything like that it's it's more kind of the the goofy kitschiness of having an having a velvet elvis but um no but i am i am a fan of his music and i'm interested to see you know i was interested i was interested to see what they did with his life uh but the thing that made me especially interested in this is that this is uh from Boz Lerman uh the director that you might be familiar with from uh, Moulin Rouge uh Romeo plus Juliet um the one with Leonardo DiCaprio from years ago and uh I I have to say this is one of the more fascinating movies I've seen in in some time I can't necessarily say that it is one of the best movies that I have seen in some time or or certainly not say that it's one of the worst but it's it's really kind of, in fact, it's been several days now since, since I saw it and I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around it. I, I think that what this comes down to is that Boz Lerman, and like I said, if, you, if you've seen Moulin Rouge, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's, it's very over the top. It's very stylish. Uh, it's, it's very, very visually very uh, engaging, lots of quick cuts. It's very, very dramatic. It's, it's, it's a spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. And, and obviously Elvis in his own way was a spectacle as a performer. And so I could see in one sense why it would make sense to match Boz Lerman to Elvis as a subject. But while I found the movie very entertaining and very engaging, as a biopic, even after two and a half hours, because this is, this is a two and a half hour plus movie, I didn't feel like I learned very much about Elvis, you know, certainly mm-hmm. not that I didn't already kind of know. Mm-hmm. And, and so it almost seems like by applying Lerman's style to the subject, it made for spectacle, for entertainment and for a lot of fun, but it did not give you the depth of analysis and of understanding the character that a more traditional biopic would have would have offered. And so, so that's why I say it's like, it's hard to say, well, it wasn't a bad movie. I, I would say that it's a good movie, but because it's a nonfiction subject and because it's supposed to be a real life character and because it's supposed to be a biopic, 
it also didn't really check that box. And, and so, and just, you know, because I was so, I was so baffled by, by this dynamic that, you know, I asked a couple of my, my other critic friends on the way out of the, out of the screening. And they basically said the same thing, which is that, you know, this, this movie is incredible to watch. I mean, it's, it's absolutely worth seeing, mm-hmm. but you don't learn. And it's, it's not that there, that there is no content. The problem is that because Lerman's style is so omnipresent and so over the top that a lot of times you wind up questioning the reality of the content you're seeing. And so, so I, you know, I know enough about Elvis to know about the different stages of his career and certain anecdotes about, you know, all the time he shot out his TV and, and stuff. But when you're seeing things on the screen that you are not familiar with, you don't really know, okay, so did this actually happen or is this just kind of a dramatized for the sake of the movie type of thing? Because everything is played up in such a, like I said, you, you have to kind of, in fact, of all the, the Baz Luhrmann movies I've seen, Moulin Rouge, the style of Moulin Rouge is almost directly translated over, maybe muted a little bit, but it's, it really feels like Elvis is, is kind of the heir apparent to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, what were you going to say? Is it, is it an unreliable narrator issue, or are you just saying it's his filmmaking that could, style? Yeah, that, that would make sense, um, because, I mean, as far as, you know, I mean, you know, because we know this is the story. Um, right. Now, the story is essentially told from the perspective of his rather infamous diabolical uh, manager, Colonel Tom Parker. And that's the, that's the role that Tom Hanks plays under a whole lot of kind of crazy makeup and with a crazy accent, because, you know, you hear Colonel Tom Parker and you think about like some cowboy from, from Texas, but he's actually, you know, one of the, one of the more nefarious elements of his character is that uh, the suspicions are that he's, he's not from the United States and he's here on some expired visa or something like that. And so he's kind of this shady character that, you know, he gets accused of uh, manipulating uh, Elvis's money and his various affairs and is pulling the strings in the shadows and all this. Um, so, so but this uh, is the, this but is the movie. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. So, and so it's, so it's told fundamentally from the Parker character's perspective. Hmm. Um, and so that might, I mean, that would certainly justify some of the decisions in terms of what was covered and what was not but i wouldn't entirely justify that if that makes sense um so it so it really effectively tries to cover his entire life we have images of him as a youngster going to local churches and kind of having these very religious experiences and, and and then going and peeking in the cracks in the doors to see the local like blues juke joints and stuff. And so you see how he fuses, you know, uh, roots, uh, rhythm and blues with gospel and, and kind of creates, you know, what eventually became, you know, his style of rock and roll and kind of spins it off from there. And you see his, the rise of his early career and the controversy about, Oh, he's shaking his hips on TV and all this kind of stuff. They make a big deal out of that. Um, but then other, pace, other patches, passages of his career are, are brushed by really, really quickly. Like the, the years uh, when he was in the army, the years when he was making his movies in the early 1960s. For a two and a half hour movie, you really feel like you're watching his career on fast forward. And, and the entire thing, like I said, it's very entertaining because it's a great spectacle. And yeah. there's some really you know, fun moments and some really interesting performances. And of course, there's all kinds of music. Um, but just as a biopic, like, and, and this, is, this is probably just because I've been watching the same thing at the same time, but I've been you know, re-watching that uh, OJ Made in America, the, the ESPN mm. multi-part documentary series, which is like you know, 180 degrees the opposite in terms of style, right? Because it's this mm-hmm. slowed down documentary. But, but that documentary, is, as depressing as it is, it's, it's so excellent in the way that it goes into so much depth to analyze and to kind of unpack the character of, of OJ Simpson and, and all of the events that led up to and, and resulted from, uh, you know, the murders. And, and, and so while watching that on my own and then going to see Elvis, I found myself coming out of Elvis thinking, 
man, I wish that somebody would do some kind of a documentary series like that because I'm really interested to know more about this guy. I mean, he's this very, very incredible icon, mm-hmm. you know, but, but this kind of feels like the carnival circus show performance version of that story that's really, really, really flashy, but not very deep. This is, yeah, one of the hard things, I don't know if that would be Lerman's fault, really. I've noticed that biopics, it's really, really hard to decide what to leave in, what to include and what to leave out in a biopic, because you're You're given the assignment of a two-hour movie, and you're going to share someone's lifetime and somehow just figure out what you think is the most important thing and include it. And of course you're going to leave out something. And if you really want to do a biopic of an important, especially a musical biopic where you're going to show some of the songs that are, you know, five minutes each, it probably needs to be a series. It needs to be just a TV series. Well, and you know? see, I don't, I wouldn't even just say that it's, um, it's purely about the decision to leave out certain things or to include certain things. I think mm-hmm. that one of the main problems is that by stylizing everything, what you are seeing doesn't seem as, as genuine. The style masks the content and, and distorts the, what you are seeing to a degree that it feels more like a show than a yeah. story. This is why I think it's a, it's, this is a, a descendant of um, a Bohemian Rhapsody. There's a oh, yeah. lot of music in that. There's lots of songs and snippets of songs and they made a billion dollars. People loved it. I, I yeah. loved it. So I, I think maybe that's part of it. I mean, I'm not saying that maybe Boz Lerman wouldn't have done that anyway, but there's a good chance that it's partly because of that. And wasn't uh, that, so, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm straining back because I believe I'm trying to go back pre-COVID now. Yes, in my, in my memory, um, the world wasn't, wasn't existed that, then. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so wasn't wasn't one of the complaints about Bohemian Rhapsody that it wasn't as thorough in telling the story of Queen and was more focused on kind of the spec the spectacle and yeah, because that, that sounds like what you're referring to. And I'm if I can right. go back far enough to remember actually watching the movie three yeah. four years ago, whatever it was. I, I think I remember sense. those criticisms. Yeah. 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 What, what okay. they did or what they tried to do is really just take a few key moments and just kind of make them big, like the making mm-hmm. of the album, the, the Wembley concert. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, that's a big part of it. And I think you kind of have to do that. I mean, and I know we're kind of, we're talking about musical biopics right now, but it, even just biopics in general, for example, I like what Spielberg did with Lincoln where it was just like, I'm not going to try to tell the story of Abraham Lincoln. We're just going to focus on these like sort of three month period in his life right before he died and tell it pretty thoroughly, like in a pretty detailed way. And it's still a two and a half hour movie. In fact, Boz Lerman just said he (laughs) has a four hour. so many speeches. Yes. Lerman has a four hour version of Elvis. Oh yeah? Okay. Uh And he, he had to cut it to two and a half. So maybe there's a chance someday you'll see a director's cut and it will answer all your, it'll, all my all questions about the making cut. of clam bake. <laughs> you know, all the stuff that you wanted in there, maybe it's in there. Maybe it's in the that oh, well, four hour version. To, to be fair, it's, it's not, it's not that I was identifying things and thinking, Oh, how yeah. come they skipped? I can't believe they skipped over this. Right. Cause they, yeah. they hit a lot of the highlights really well. I mean, it, in it, yeah. in the way mm-hmm. you describe the Wembley concert, the, you know, the, yeah. the making of Bohemian uh, of the song Bohemian Rhapsody, like, they, they do a great job. Uh, they, they spend a lot of time talking about the 68 comeback special. Um, they talk about, you know, there's, oh my gosh, there is, there is a sequence that, that almost by itself made the film worthwhile for me where he's, because like I said, early on, the big controversy is, well, this, it's the, the music is one thing, but the, the way this guy moves on stage is so sexual that it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's arousing people against their will. And, and yeah. it's, you know, not, not to say that there isn't something to that. I mean, it's pretty. It's, for its time. Yeah. It's I oh, no, time for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. in the midst of this, he goes to, to do a performance. And I want to say it was, it was kind of a, a stadium, like an early stadium show. And uh, so that the question is that there, is he going to tone things down to stay safe or is he going to risk arrest? Because there was actually the idea that, well, you're going to be arrested if you're doing this. And 
they just do this sequence where he starts performing and he just kind of cuts loose and it just, he wants to be his like 100% Elvis. But what they do, and this is, this is kind of the Boz Lerman thing, is they inject all of these freeze frames during the course of the song and they, they churn, they, so they get a, a still frame that has like this, this grainy black and white composition that are effectively the equivalent of old concert photos. And the photographer in me is just, oh man, those, those shots are incredible. I would love, because you can, you know, they're, they're taking it kind of like these close up weird angles where you're almost just kind of off stage, kind of peeking in through the curtains and stuff. And so that, so I, to a degree, I'm complaining about the style because I feel like it masks what we could get in terms of understanding Elvis's character. But at the same time, the style also delivers some really great moments and, and some, some entertaining content. And so I guess that's why the, the film just leaves you so puzzled is that, you know, because I, because Mark, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, what, what you're describing in terms of, of needing to kind of focus in on particular things is exactly what I tell my, my English students when I, when I talk about the difference between a memoir and an autobiography, right? An autobiography is just A to Z. Like I was born here. I went to school here. My parents did this. Then I went here and I got this job and this job and I met this person. I got married and it's really just everything. And, yeah. and it's kind of, kind of dull, right? Whereas a memoir is going to focus in on maybe just a couple of events that, that are very poignant, that, that taught you a lesson. Uh, mm-hmm. The one I'm thinking about that, that might be kind of the closest thing for a, a recent comparison is the, now I'm losing the, uh, the movie about Princess Diana that uh, Kristen Stewart oh, Spencer. was in. Oh, Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. Right? The whole movie was just, just took place over the course of one weekend, uh, mm-hmm. like a short time before her death, right? So this is not an, auto, an autobiography. And it's not a biopic in the sense that, okay, we're going to see everything that happened in her life. What we're going to do is we're going to see this particular event and see how that shaped who she was and how she was remembered and what was going on, right? Yeah. So, so no, I that's the thing is it's there are are so many competing ideas that you're left with from this movie that you know maybe that's means it's doing its job you know mm-hmm. maybe maybe Lerman is wanting me and my my people to have the exact this exact reaction I don't know yeah it could be well I'm and, actually and, oh sorry you can go no go go ahead Danny go ahead well, I was just gonna say I'm glad that that's the issue and maybe this is just a personal preference thing but like, I don't necessarily care for documentaries because like, yeah, they're kind of boring, right? But like, you know, there can, it can still be done interestingly. But like, for me, when I'm seeing a biopic, I do like it when it's stylized. And like, I don't necessarily care if it's factual because I mean, like one of my favorite movies what for What is a long the truth time anyway? Was- <laughs> well, I was... Sorry. No, because one of my favorite movies for a long time was like Braveheart. But the idea of Braveheart is more that it's a movie about a legend than a movie about an actual person. Sure. And they they kind of poke fun at it. Like, yeah. Um, And, you know, that's what I kind of look for is like, I don't care about the facts. Like, I want a good story, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And so the movie that I was kind of thinking about with all of this was um, uh, Beyond the Sea, the Bobby Darin Okay. A biopic where, you know, it's a musical, right? And so it is totally fantasy and there's a lot of, it, it's very performative, right? In that idea of a memoir where it's like, you know, you're telling the story more or less, but you're, you're telling a novel, you're telling something that's, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're wrapping things up nicely. So it works as if it was a fictional piece, but it is inspired by these true events. And mm-hmm. I think it's really great. And I, and I kind of, I, I, I love the style of it. I think it's very fun. Um, I felt like I did learn a couple things. Like I didn't know anything about Bobby Darren. Um, but like, you know, I'm not going to feel super attached. Like, well, I'm, you know, a Bobby Darren expert now. And, you know, like, no. You're not going to get a velvet Bobby Darren painting and stick it on the <laughs> wall behind you. I should go right there. Please, please. <laughs> no, but like, you know, it, it felt educational ish mm-hmm. like you know tangent educational <laughs> well, so, <laughs> but, so, but the important part was the story and the themes you yeah. know it's like what do we want to take from this person's story and what i'm guessing is from elvis like you know we're hitting the highlights because like 
here's the overarching theme that's kind of a narrative yeah. sort of focus instead think, of a historical. Well, and, and I think that's where it gets tricky because in all of these cases, we're talking about real people. True. We're, we're talking about real stories, real things that actually happened or did not happen. And, and I think what makes the difference is how it is being presented to us because, you know, Hollywood and everybody loves to be able to put based on a true story, right? Because that adds a, a, a level of credibility and a level of, of you know, ethos and weight to it, right? Because, oh, well, this really happened. And so instead of just being some crazy thing that somebody invented, there's, there's more, more depth to this. And, and so, because this is exactly the same kind of stuff that I tell my students when we're talking about memoirs. Like, look, this is not, you know, you, you have a contract and you have an obligation to your audience. When you tell them this is a true story, then you need to be honest. You need to be straightforward. You can't just play fast and loose with things when you're dealing with real life people. And, and I, I've had a couple of bad experiences with this in, uh, as, as a movie critic where I remember seeing, I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, there was uh, Lee Daniels, the butler. It was a story. It was, oh, yeah. and, and it, yeah, about the, the butler who served in the white house over several decades and served under, you know, various different presidents and stuff. And so the idea was, oh, we're going to see the political intrigue of the white house for decades through this one character's eyes. It's a really interesting idea. And when I first saw the movie, I just kind of took it at face value and assumed, okay, well, this is a true story, right? come to find afterwards that, oh, well, this was like inspired by a character who was in the White House. And a lot of these things are kind of not necessarily true. They're kind of creative, you know, narrative license. And, and given how pointed the film was in dealing with certain presidents versus other presidents, it really drove me batty just to think that, okay, well, so basically you're just kind of using this as an opportunity to kind of bang your own political drum here. And, and you're, but you're presenting it as if it's real. And so unless somebody looks behind the curtain or does a little research, they're just going to assume that, oh, wow, so-and-so was a total jerk and, oh, but this guy was just awesome. And, and, and so I think well, that- I mean, Cynic Danny, again, I, I don't believe anything created by anybody because there's going to be some kind of agenda. Well, and that's, and that's the result of it, right? Is that yeah. we don't trust what we see, even when it's presented as- the truth and presented as factual. If some if somebody is giving us something and and is trying to sell the idea that this is a true story and that this is this is based in reality, mm -hmm. I it's it's less that I want or don't want to be able to believe them, but I think that they should have enough integrity to present it in an, in an honest and an objective and factual way. And if, we, if, we've, if we've lost that to that degree, where kind of, Dan, as you say, that you just kind of go in and assuming that this is all going to be BS. Because honestly, let's, let me say- Well, not that it's all going to be BS, well, no, but no. it's just like this you, you know is made I mean, by though. someone. Right, but when, when we see the terms, you know, because you can always tell it's like, okay, well, so based on a true story is really different than inspired by a true story. Because once they say yeah. inspired, you know, it's like, oh, this is buck, right? But at least you can start to kind of read between the lines. And, and so, I don't I know. I love it's, the inspired it's, by it's, a true story. Because I just like good stories. Like, if it's a good story, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I just don't I, care enough about Yeah, but what if, they're, what if they're portraying your grandpa in a really nasty way? Because no, he was I, a public figure. It's okay. inspired by, I'm taking narrative license and I'm going to make, I'm going to make Uncle Joe look like this horrible person. Uh, Uncle Joe Biden? Uncle Joe. Like, oh, is that? I, I'm going to have to agree with Danny did here. I, did I tip I, my cards? <laughs> I'm gonna have to agree with Danny here. I, I think that, first of all, movies, let's just say it, like movies are different from books. Like, I think we go to movies for feelings. We go to books totally. for facts. Now, that's totally. a huge, like, uh, oversimplification. I mean, that's a generalization, but like, Very much when so. they say based on a true story, I never- I disagree with you, counselor. <laughs> I Objection. never believe, I never believe when it's based on a true story that we're just gonna see like yeah. you say, a litany sure. of facts, A it's, to Z. Yeah. And there's, they're not creating composite characters. They're not changing dialogue. They're not pre preventing, uh, presenting events out of order. Generally, you hope that major, major things aren't being told incorrectly, mm -hmm. you know, such as who killed Lincoln, you know, like, it, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I was, 
I'm always fascinated by this because one of my favorite movies, this used to be on my top 10 years ago, is, is a movie called JFK by Oliver Stone. Oh, and yeah. I loved Ebert's review of it because he said, you know, I don't know. We don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But this movie is a masterpiece because it reflects the mood of the time. It reflects the feelings of the people who just feel like there's not something quite right with the official story we've been told. Because that's and what we took away from the story. And the, yeah. Right, right. And that's how JFK is. It, it, it just throws in every, everything. It's like a, it's just this hodgepodge of different uh, theories and, and characters that you're not sure if they're central or not. And mm-hmm. it's got like what looks like old t- time footage, kind of like how you were talking with the, with some of the scene of that concert, I guess. Photographs. It was the 1960s. Yeah. yeah the, and, and, um, and it's a really wonderful movie. And, and I don't know if it's, even 10% true. You know what I mean? And, and I don't care. That's the thing is I'm not, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like, well, I'm trying to find out the truth of what really happened. It's like, no, it's really well. Cause then you go to a book or you like look through, you know, you, you'd go to other right. sources, I think for that. Right. And, and it makes it, me think like, Josh, I do think you need a documentary of Elvis. And I think yeah. that'll make, that'll make you feel good because like you go to those sources for that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And, and, and that's so, different. That's different. Yeah, that's, but that's that's not going to change my mind about feeling like people no, are playing too fast because what like, they present the is thing. true stories. It's yeah. it's the difference between going to see, um, uh, won't you be my neighbor and a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You know, guess, like you, yeah. you're going into them for different reasons. One is like that emotional kind of experience, and one's the factual experience. But you still have the emotional experience in a documentary too. Like oh, some for documentaries sure. are but amazingly. Like, you also have a lot of agenda pushing in documentaries. Yes, it's true. Michael <laughs> no, Moore. Michael Moore has something sure. to say oh, about no. that. No, I. <laughs> right, right. But that's why right. I'm saying I like the narrative thing, where it's like I'm already going in, not going to buy everything, but it's like I'm going to take from this what I want, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas a documentary, it's, it's kind of like you're being it, forced it. In. Like I completely see and, and, and agree with a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. But I think in the same way that, that we as critics look at things a different way and understand things a different way from the audience, mm. I think this is the same thing too, because I don't know that the general audience is always going in with the understanding that, well, this, they're saying this is a true story, but it's not. And, and, and I, don't, I completely agree that in ad- adapting real life into you know, a, a, a you know, 90 minute to 200 minute narrative, that you're going to have to create, you know, dramatic license, right? You're going to have to create conversations that you don't have word for word. Mm-hmm. But what, what bothers me is that I do think that that's exploited too far in certain cases, not in most. I mean, I don't find myself frustrated by this yeah. all the time, but examples like, like the Butler have, mm-hmm. have made me just kind of very unsatisfied with the idea that, uh, you know, real people are, are being, in fact, because I, I want to say that was it Ronald Reagan's son was really just irate after the butler to see how, how his father was portrayed and just said, this is, you know, you, you have portrayed him as only being sympathetic to certain people when it was politically convenient, that he didn't have any of these sincere feelings. And, and so I, I, I agree with you guys, what you guys are saying. I think that in terms of artistic license, obviously there has to be a certain degree of it. Um, but, but I do think that that in certain cases, filmmakers have abused that to the point where it's become irresponsible. So yeah. There's... Well, and I, yeah. And I think we're getting a little far afield from Josh's from Elvis? original criticism yeah, of Elvis, yeah. right? Because you weren't saying that, oh, there's just a bunch of false facts presented in this movie. You're just saying, hey, I didn't really learn that much. Yeah. Like it was yeah, great. Yeah. Stylistically, no, it, was totally it had some songs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it just felt maybe a little bit empty. It was stylistically cool, but mm-hmm. substantively it was lacking, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, that's a different conversation, I think, than, well, this movie just completely uh, almost Trashy. defamed somebody. Yeah, like oh, it was yeah. a slander. Yeah. Um, I heard the criti- same criticism of, for example, A Beautiful Mind. And, and usually this happens with like really good movies that are like going to win Oscars. I was, then you, I was then, so then, disappointed by Beautiful Mind. Well, then the criticisms come out because, like, for example, his wife, they, 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 just, they whitewash her, right? She's, she's just a white woman. And in the, um, she's really Argentine, I believe oh, okay. Alicia was, uh, yeah. John Nash's wife. That's just an example of some of the criticisms I remember reading yeah. of it. And even, even I, I just thought, yeah, 
I don't really care. I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but it was like, it didn't change the, the quality of the movie for me or the, the emotional experience. It, did, it didn't seem as, like it was integral, right? Right, but, right, it, yeah. to the story. But it was something that, that upset a few people. Green Book a few years ago, another Best Picture winner, upset oh gosh, yeah. uh, <laughs> people. Got a lot of heat. I, I didn't, it, I didn't have a problem with it, even though, I, even if I believe what the, the relatives or the, the descendants of Don Shirley, you know, were saying about the portrayal of the relationship between the two, mm-hmm. I felt like it was fine. I mean, you know, yeah, again, there were, I, I didn't there were go certain, to it for facts. Right. Well, there were, there were certain criticisms of that film that, and again, if it, if it was a matter of things like facts that were being distorted and, and yeah. treated irresponsibly, then yeah, I'd have a problem with that. Other criticisms of the film, I... I did not share at all, but no, you, you mentioned beautiful mind. I just have to say that I went into beautiful mind with no idea of what the twist was mm. that, and, and I don't know if this is, I mean, how long has this movie been out? 2001. Um, but I, I went into that, you know, having seen the trailer and thinking this is going to be like some cool CIA thriller, like intense, mm. you know, cloak and dagger type thing. And when the switch got flipped halfway through, I felt so robbed. <laughs> oh, what is this? This stinks. Come I really on. liked it. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was, I'll no, go it was on a record. I liked movie. a beautiful mind. Oh yeah, no, it was. I still. I mean, in retrospect, I liked it because it was still a good movie. But I remember. Yeah. I remember feeling so robbed at the time because I, like, I, I was thought it was supposed for the to be. Night. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was going to be some. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that that should have been to be Mission Oscar Impossible. <laughs> that that should have been Crow's Oscar moment. I think if he hadn't won the year before for Gladiator, I think he would have got it for uh, yeah. Beautiful Mind. Mm, I could see that. Times, well, I I am curious because Mark was kind of bringing it back to Elvis. What is your final verdict on it then, Josh? Because like you know you you feel like oh I wanted a little more from this. So like let's say. You know, you can have. You know, I almost want to give it two ratings. Yeah, I almost want to give it like two ratings, where I would say just as a, as an entertaining movie that is fun and engaging and and worth a couple hours of your time, I'd give it like three and a half stars. I really would. Oh wow! But then, but as a biopic, I'd have a hard time getting past three because you just don't mm-hmm. learn. You know, and and granted, I mean, I probably know more about him than than most people. And so, you know, like the story of the 68 comeback special and stuff like that is, is going to be new to a lot of people who see the movie. Um, but I just didn't feel like, I, I, I felt like depth was being sacrificed for style. And so if you're okay with the trade-off, then I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I don't necessarily think the Elvis fans like the, the real diehard people, I mean, I've never been to Graceland, you know, so people who've been to Graceland, I think that they will still enjoy the movie and and i didn't really sense anything that you know again maybe this is just because i'm not as big of a fan but i didn't notice anything that felt like it was being disingenuous or was distorting Mm -hmm. you know the understood truth you know behind behind all of it but uh but but that that the dynamic of seeing exchanges and anecdotal events that are so stylized that you don't know, is this being presented as like a metaphor or as some kind of a surreal, you know, interpretation or kind of a summary of what's something that's going on or did this actually happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, one, one omission that was, was kind of unfortunate is they didn't, they didn't show him going to the white house to meet Nixon, which was, uh, I mean, they did make a movie out of that alone. So I guess, you know, we'll just have to keep uh, tweeting about the four hour cut. Then we'll get it. Yeah. (laughs) So, so how does that come? Just like the Snyder cut. (laughs) I was going to say, we'll get the, we want the Lerman cut. (laughs) We want the Lerman cut. This might be, I mean, in terms of of musical biopics, I don't know if it's too, soon for you to rank but how does it compare to like walk the line ray bohemian rhapsody love and mercy the doors rank those in order right now immediately one to seven <laughs> just kidding <laughs> well the th- i think the first thing that i would say um and that all of all of the ones that you have mentioned that i've seen i did like but the one that resonated the most was Love and Mercy. Like that was a movie oh, that, that right. really stuck with me. Yeah, That one's so good. Um, just, just my knee-jerk reaction based on the ones that you mentioned, I would put Love and Mercy first and everything else would just kind of be, be 
you know, cause, well, cause what did you say? You, you said, Ray, you said, walk the line. I haven't seen the doors. That's one I haven't seen. Oh, okay. Bohemian um, Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw, uh, what else was there? Uh, um, now the, uh, get on up the James Brown one. Oh, from I haven't a few seen years that ago. one. That was good. And that, that had more of a style to it. Like it was, it was a little more style heavy, but it was specifically to replicate James Brown's stage style, like mm. the very dynamic, you know, yeah. horn heavy, you know, quick shots, quick cuts. Like that felt like an intentional decision that was meant to reflect the subject where with Boz Lerman, I kind of felt like it's Boz Lerman putting his style on Elvis. On Elvis. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, if you haven't seen Get On Up, I would, I would recommend it. It's, that was, that. that was a good one. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, there, there gotta be, I'm sure that there are others that we're not even. Well, there's, considering. there's Amadeus, but that might be going back a few hundred years. <laughs> well, uh, the, too, the too long. Hey, Amadeus <laughs> was a great movie. I remember, I I remember like liking that Amadeus. one quite a bit. I love it. That's my favorite. But I mean, I, I'm trying to think of modern biopics from like sure. 50s on or something. But yeah. yeah. Like I said, that my, my hesitation with it isn't necessarily in that it is an inaccurate or a bad biopic, mm-hmm. just that it's kind of a shallow biopic. It's just and you're the, boring and, the, and you want boring information. That's fine. Just, you know, <laughs> just be honest. <laughs> it's so heartless. I mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't even seen Elvis. I can't. I can't is this, anything. Is this because when I <laughs> turned the time over to you in that last episode, I checked my phone and it looked like I wasn't paying attention to what you were saying? <laughs> because I'm rewatching that episode. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I look so bad. Because like, Danny, why don't you talk about this for a second? And then I immediately go over and start... <laughs> Well, we're so used to not being seen. I know. Where it's like all I the know. bad habits and like my. I really am listening to you guys. I re- yeah, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm always kind of like drifting back and forth. So. Oh yeah. You no, know. I had to get a chair that like wasn't gonna rotate because oh my. Goodness, I mean, I'm thinking of the audience. Time. I got Richard Simmons here now with me. You know, I got <gasps> him in the background. So. You know, maybe Wait, I should put are, him in the chair and have him. Are you holding <laughs> Richard Simmons hostage? Am I, no, no, I am not. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. No, that's I've... that's just. Uh, well, you remember that because I had this at the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? I remember. Why? Um, so it it was passed on to me as kind of like this weird heirloom thing that like a half like a half dozen different people from my high school had it in in sequence, and then my buddy Brett gave it to me. It's got legs too, like it's in two parts. Like you could, it's actually like a life size cardboard cutout. And it's got the name, it has the names of the previous owners on the back. And I just thought it was just too hilarious. And so I just started kind of carting it around. And aren't you supposed to pass it off though? Like, is it like a, you know, when I find somebody who's worthy to inherit the life-size cardboard (laughs) cutout of Richard Simmons, then I'll consider it. Then I'll consider it. But uh, (laughs) no, I, I have, I have actually had at least one person, like somebody saw a photo that I had posted of it. And they contacted me through Facebook offering to buy it. And, and of course I said, no. Oh, he's, he's priceless. <laughs> you didn't even negotiate. Didn't even negotiate. Um, what was I the mean, offer? I'm trying to, you know, I'd have to, gosh. <laughs> I, I don't know if, how, how long it would take me to look up. I might be able to dig it up. That might be, might be able to report back on that with the next yeah. Stay so tuned after you, for next yeah, so time. after you guys see Elvis and can kind of chime in with your thoughts and I will come back and I will report on how much the offer for the Richard Simmons cardboard cutout. Was. That sounds like a fair trade. You know, and we can. No, just wait. Like I'm going to go see Elvis. I'm like, man, this is garbage biopic. <laughs> so stupid. Don't understand. Directors are totally responsible. <laughs> They're irresponsible. <laughs> they need to tell the truth. You guys are going to completely flip all of your. Josh, you were uh-huh. right. You're right about everything. What was I thinking? <laughs> well, is so this is in theaters now, right, Elvis? Um, I well, probably by the time we have this posted, this yes, because it'll oh, be okay. this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I wonder how well that will do. It's. I um, mean, th- I, sometimes these movies well, just kill it, and other times they they die. You know, these biopics, and so you know, it given looks the beautiful. I think that'll bring a lot of people in. No, it. Uh, 
my biggest concern with that question would be that it's going up against Maverick and Lightyear, Jurassic World, and, and Dominion. Yeah, and it's got we got Thor in a couple weeks, so mm. I would be. I mean, because in a lot of ways, you kind of think that this would be the kind of movie that would come out in December mm-hmm. in, you know, because they want to put Tom Hanks up for an acting award or, you know, we've spent this whole time and I haven't even mentioned Austin Butler plays Elvis, um, does a pretty good job. Not, I mean, I'm not, you know, mind blowing or anything like that. Um, uh, Olivia Dijon, who you probably recognize from, do you guys remember The Visit? the the yes yeah the one oh, was that the, the m night m night, m. night i didn't see Dome. it but i know things about so it, yeah. so she I was the older that. sibling the the dot the well the grandchild the older grandchild um, oh, so this is several years ago because because she plays priscilla presley okay. um and then well that's funny i didn't even realize david wenham was in it son of a gun um, mm. Speaking of Stranger Things, we were talking about Stranger Things a while ago. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? The the kid who played Billy, who was uh, oh, uh, older brother. Uh, it's a D A C R E Montgomery. Is it Dacra? Dac? Mm. I don't know how you pronounce. Yeah, that. good old Dac. Yeah, well, you know, he was there, and uh, of course, you know, Tom Hanks. But um, uh, everybody will recognize. Mr. Hanks. So yeah, no, I don't know. I, I really would be interested and I, I would recommend people see it. You know, I mean, I think people will enjoy it. It's just, you're going to kind of come away thinking, well, that was really entertaining, but I just don't know that I really learned much about Elvis. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's two and a half hours long. So it's, it's, it's a, it doesn't That's feel long. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because of a lot of, there's like a lot of music that kind of, I mean, there's a lot of content to cover. Yes, of there, there is. But it doesn't feel like I. This is the first one to spring to mind. the The first Sing movie, the animated one mm. from a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember what drove me nuts about that movie was how, it, it, during the third act, when they had like their big final performance, every character had to sing their own song in its entirety, and I just thought, you aren't seriously going to play like six songs in a row, right? And they. And it was did. it was something like that. Um, Elvis is not like that. There's there's lots of music, there's lots of performing, um, but most of the time it's not like a full song or you know, huge long lengthy. It it doesn't it doesn't ever drag. Okay. Um, That's yeah yeah. But no, I I would be I would really be interested to see what you guys thought of this one. Okay. Um, because I think even if you didn't like it. I think you would still be very interested by it and would have uh, thoughts, <laughs> you know, that would be, you know, I mean, I, I just, I, it's not the kind of movie that you would just kind of see and then shrug your shoulders and okay, on to the next thing. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it leaves you, you know, with, with an impression. So Fair. yeah. Cool. How about that. Looking forward to it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, I'm not looking forward to like the, the, you know, my moment of humility coming back, <laughs> acknowledging you were right or something. Oh, has to happen. I have to be right at some point, right? <laughs> Somewhere down the line. Um, but uh, so, so I don't know guys. So are we going to, are we going to talk about Kenobi next time? Cause we'll have the, the last episode will come out this week. So we're going to jump into that one next, next episode. You think? Yeah, let's give do a little, it. Give a little episode. sneak preview. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I've got lots of thoughts there. And we've, we've already kind of hinted at some of our thoughts. And so so maybe the next episode, we'll, we'll knock that one out. But cool. uh, any, other, out any other final, final, in, <laughs> final thoughts, promotions, anything going on in your guys' life that you want the people to know about? Give um, people what they want. Just the baby coming up. My Yay! wife's having a baby That's right. on the 26th is the oh, date. Okay. So we're... Yeah, yeah, so probably awesome. the next time I'll be on a podcast, we'll have a new little baby girl. So we're excited Aww. about that. That is great. Yeah. Hope that hope that works out well. Looking forward Thank to you. it. You maybe 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 even a little cameo now that we've gone to video. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be a good idea. Oh yeah. 
none of my boys have been on this. I should bring her first when she she comes. Is she the there first girl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, of course, she has to be, like, the first. She's a princess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Gotta nice. spoil her. How about you, Danny? What's going on? Uh, not much. I mean, you got, you got your review of Cryo up, so, yep. so they can go and, and get a little bit more in-depth on that. Yeah, definitely, definitely check out the, the written review and see if this is one that you'd be interested in. And I, I'd strongly recommend it at, at the very least just to, you know, of course, support local filmmakers. Mm-hmm. But also, it, it's, a, it's a good one. It's I was going to say, like, it doesn't sound like it's just a, well, it's a local filmmaker, so let's go support it. Yeah. It sounds like, no, this is a good movie. This is worth your time. So yeah. that's, you know, no problem supporting that. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, guys. So uh, before we go. Just a reminder to, uh, you know, leave us some comments, leave us some input, wherever you're watching this, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or the video, or if you're uh, listening to it on Spotify or on iTunes, leave us a review, give us some, uh, some positive feedback. Uh, I mean, leave us a review. It's going to be positive. It's going to be negative. Then, you know, I'm sure you got other things to do with your day. Um, but other than, other than that, we will look forward to uh, getting back with you in, an, uh, in a little while and talking to Kenobi and whatever else just uh, seems to be important at the time. So until then... <laughs> Be safe and have a good one.